If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Paz IM Radio with your co-hosts Robert Brining and Aaron Laxton. We go around the world and across the United States. Joining the conversation by calling in to 929-477-3572. That's 929-477-3572. This week we have your HIV scoop with Josh Robbins. And your positive message from Rise Up to HIV and Kevin Maloney. Your weekly dose of hope. Pause I Am Radio. I hope you're ready for season two because it starts now. Happy Sunday uh, afternoon, everybody. Today is January the 15th, 2017. We are less than one week away from the end of the world. Or as I, <laughs> I am Aaron Laxon, along with Robert Bryan. How are you doing, Robert? Oh, I'm doing well. I am doing well. This uh Nice and cold here, but it's kind of icy up where you are, from what I, from what I gather from the weather forecast. Yeah, yeah, we've had we've been in the middle of uh, hashtag ice apocalypse 2017, and uh, everything shuts down whenever we have uh, a drop of snow or ice or anything like that. So I have been operating from home, and uh, you know I've just really been catching up on a lot of Netflix and and stuff like that. Other than other than the news. I don't want to watch about the news. What are you Netflixing? Must I I have must know. So all right, you're gonna judge me. Please don't judge me. But there's a show <laughs> on there called Highway Through Hell. And it is all about tow trucks uh in the Coquihalla Highway up in Alberta and British Columbia. And I <laughs> I don't know why I love watching this show, but it's about heavy equipment rescue and tow trucks. And that's is that up on ice? It is up on ice, yeah. Yeah. So that's, Okay, I know you I, I know, know I know what you're talking about. But I I won't judge yeah. you as long as you don't judge me. Okay. <laughs> what I love to watch is the border security. There's like okay. uh, the Canadian border, the Australian border, and the United States border, and they have like you know people coming in, and they have like all the, you know all the, you know the police officers and all the people who are trying to figure out like drugs get smuggled through the airplane through the mail, you know what I mean? And it's right for me, it's interesting and learning about how people have to get different kind of visas to come here, and you know how they can reject you for you know being a drug user or being in jail for 
you know, over 12 months, you're not eligible to enter certain countries. Well, I mean, they can refuse your... Yes. <laughs> yes, that is no, true. It, but th- that's my kind of like yeah. little thing. <laughs> I, I kind of, you know... I don't know why. Things, um, but that's kind of been my thing. Um, there's a couple other shows. Um, but yeah, I'll have to check that out. I uh, When I was a kid, I was off all the time and and all those little shows because I, I, I used to want to be a highway patrolman. And uh, so when I was a kid, I think I'm a little bit older than you maybe, but Chips, I used to stay home from school so I could watch Chips because it came on during the day. Chips. <laughs> yeah, uh, California Highway Patrol. It, it was yeah. like Tontarelli and, and John or whatever. But, uh Yeah. So this could very well be our very last show if if the world ends next Saturday, then we could go on record as this being like the very last. They were joking about that on the, uh, well, what was it that the last the Golden Globes? That was like the running joke that this, that was going to be the last award show ever. Right. What do you think is going to happen happen come Friday? I don't. I don't know. I, I'm not watching. I know that. Um, yeah. As much as like it's it's kind of like I don't know it's kind of like a car crash. It's like you want to watch but you don't want to watch. You know what I mean? But like I don't think I'm going to really watch. I'll hear about it on the news. How's that? I'm not going to watch it live. Well, you know, the more we talk about this thing, and the more it kind of comes comes out. You know, people living with HIV. We've been talking about this for weeks. Uh, if you are listening to this show or you listen to this show on, on podcast, um, and you are living with HIV, you are impacted. And I think this is where the rubber's starting to meet the road because, you know, over, over more than 29, you know, 22, 29 million people losing their health care, that people living with HIV, our care was rolled into the, the Affordable Care Act. And so this week, Senate um, leaders um, and the House took the first steps to repeal what has become known as Obamacare. They put forth a whole bunch of budget measures. Um, so I think regardless of what happens on, on Friday, do I think the world's going to end? No. We're going to have to come out, let our voices be heard, because um, we're in for a long, rocky ride. Besides, allegedly, allegedly, um, there was the, the first scandal with, Donald Trump uh, and some Russian prostitutes. I won't say anymore. You can look it up online. Yeah. You're in for a rude awakening. Oh, oh. Um, <laughs> but, um, I don't know. I guess, you know, maybe this will be, you know, we can look at it one way and maybe this uh, presidency will help, you know, kickstart the activists to get a little bit more, you know, involved more and more, you know, loud and, and get more people to to want to become involved because, you know, a lot of people have become kind of relaxed on it because with Obama, we have done so much and changed so many things that I guess some people were getting a little sort of, I want to say, complacent, you know what I mean? So maybe mm-hmm. this will kind of like the fire under some people who have, you know, like myself, who kind of just relaxed for a couple of years. And, you know, maybe it's important that it shows people that their voices need it and we need to continue to make noise and act up and, and fight for what we deserve, which is equal rights, not extra rights. 
Mr. Mm-hmm. Ben Carson. Did, um, you know, did you watch the, the Did you watch the uh, Obama farewell from Chicago? I watched part of it. I fell asleep. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? I, I was watching it and I kind of passed out. I had been working doubles all week, but I did watch it. And you know, he's an amazing president. I I love him and what he represents. Yeah, it. it I think when now we're starting to kind of the shock is, I think for some people starting to settle in, but uh, you really see over the last eight years. I it just hit me last night that I'm pretty liberal, and um, and. I don't know. I just was watching, and yeah, I mean, I, you couldn't really help but get a little teary-eyed that, um, you know, we've had so much diversity, so much, you know, kind of push forward, and to to now we're getting to where we have this demagogue being sworn in on Friday. Uh, but yeah, you keep you keep late out or you keep early hours. You go to bed fairly early. I yeah, so that. I was like, I, I was fighting, you know what I mean, to 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 watch it, and I even like, my partner had no desire to watch it, so I kind of was like, all right, let's just watch it, and then as soon as I passed out, I'm sure he turned it off and, you know, put on something that he wanted to watch. But I was upset that I missed part it. I'm gonna have to go on and watch the the end of it. It was I only missed the last like ten minutes. Well, if you really want to watch something, I mean, his speech was good, but then Lester Holt did a Dateline. Um, the special on him on Friday. Um, okay. And I would highly suggest that, uh, you know, just very optimistic, very, you see, I don't know, it's it's not hard to see why he was elected um, and and why he was, you know, we believed in him. And the one line that he said from his farewell that just really brought it home is, is when he closed out, he said, yes, we can. Yes, we did. Yes, we can. And it shows the American, I mean, we as a people, we're really divided right now. Um, and I don't know what the, the answer is, uh, but there's just a lot of fear. I don't know where, where you're at, you know, what the kind of the feeling is, but I think nationwide, um, it's just a fear that's very palpable and Nobody knows what quite's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, there's a divide within my, you know, own family of, you know, what we think is going to happen or, you know, how one way that we feel about the situation. But, you know, I just kind of take it to make it my point to constantly show them that this is affecting me, you know what I mean, in a way that Mm -hmm. may not be affecting them and their individual families. But in the way that this is falling, you know, this could possibly really affect me. Like the Affordable Care Act is Obamacare. You know what I mean? I even saw something on Facebook where somebody was, you know, excited and, and I guess he was blasting excitement that it was going to be repealed, Obamacare, not realizing that him himself was on the Affordable Care Act, which was Obamacare. You know what I mean? So I've seen so right. many people who don't realize this, that it's the same thing. You know what I mean? Without, right. without one is the other. You know, I think I even saw... Um, when there was uh, a town hall with Speaker Ryan, uh, there was a gentleman who stood up who, you know, who talked about if Obamacare wasn't there and the Affordable Care Act and he didn't have, you know, the treatment for his cancer, he wouldn't be standing there today. You know what I mean? So this right. is life-saving, you know what I mean? This is saving people's lives. It's not just uh, 
people just having insurance just for the sake of having insurance. You know what I mean? Well, it's a lot yeah. more than that. So I, I remind people that it is, you know, my issue and it's affecting me, but you know, just think about yeah. it because I'm somebody that you love. Well, that's exactly right. And, you know, listeners might be wondering, you know, what can they do? And everybody's kind of struggling um, to figure out what they can do. Well, if you go, if you're on Twitter or Facebook, um, our friend over at the body, J.D. Davids, have written um, uh, together Activist Basics. Um, and you can go on there and they have podcasts and it's all sorts of things, whether you are a starting um, activist who, you know, this is day one for you or you've been doing activism for a long time. They have all sorts of suggestions and resources and supports. So be sure to go on there and check that out, uh, Activist Basics, uh, and and let them know that we sent you over there. Uh, but yeah, it's we all have to lean on each other. We can't say that enough, really. I totally agree with you. And, you know, that's what family's for. So uh, let's take a moment now and uh, hang out with our friend Josh Robbins for a minute. This is your HIV Scoop with Josh Robbins, exclusive for Pause I Am Radio. Buzzworthy HIV news in under 90 seconds. Here's Josh Robbins in this week's HIV Scoop. Hello, guys. I'm Josh, and hope you're enjoying all of the joys and perils of living in 2017. This week, Charlie Sheen was back in the spotlight, this time with ABC's Michael Sam, interviewing Charlie about how he's doing, and Charlie talks about this new FDA clinical trial that he's a part of. Here's part of that interview. How do you feel? I feel really good. I feel really good. I am so grateful. Um, I am. I for eight months now. I've been enrolled in an FDA study Mm -hmm. for a medication for a drug called Pro 140. That's that's in in the late stages of its of its of its trial run. We are very close to being approved. Um, And it is not this hideous cocktail that leads to so many side effects emotionally and physically. Mm -hmm. It's one shot a week. It's going well, and I, I, I feel like I'm carrying the torch for a lot of folks out there that are suffering from the same same thing. You know? Also, Charlie discussed something important and understood by many of us living with HIV, a feeling of depression and, in his case, potentially suicidal thoughts early after diagnosis. And all of this that has happened, had there been a, a silver lining? Oh, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. No, I mean, the day I, got, the day I was diagnosed, I immediately wanted to eat a bullet. But my mom was there. I wouldn't do that in front of her or let her <laughs> find me to clean up that mess. But then as something else came over me, and, and they, they gave me a handful of pills and said, you can go home. So, so I'm so grateful for what was available when it happened and even more grateful for what's available right now when I'm, I'm in the middle of it, you know? Good to hear Charlie is doing so well. The full interview is available at abcnews.com. I'm Josh Robbins, and this was your HIV Scoop. Thanks, Josh, for that scoop. Uh, you know, I didn't actually see the interview. Did you, Aaron? No, you know, I've seen that uh, Charlie had uh, done some other interviews, uh, one in particular with Good Morning America, and I had heard that he was on that study, um, on that drug study. Um, so I'm glad that, I'm glad to hear that he's doing well. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually... Yeah, yeah, well, I've never really watched, you know, any of his shows or was a huge fan of his work, but, you know, for to go from Mr. Meltdown, because he was, you know, hashtag winning and, and going really through it, 
that was when he was received his diagnosis and to actually be where he is now. And like you said, to go through that stage of depression and, and wanting to commit suicide and having those thoughts and not knowing, you know, that's common for people who are newly diagnosed. So him opening up and sharing that, I, I applaud him being so, you know, open and honest about it. Right. And the study that he's on, I mean, is very interesting. Uh, uh, the long-acting injectables, um, that's the, the trend of how we're moving forward. So it's good to hear that he's having good results. Um, you know, we we kind of talked about that on last week's show about, you know, these different deliverables. Um, the one we talked about last week was a year-long <laughs> implant. Uh, and so all these different delivery methods are really improving. Very scary. Very, very scary. But anyway, let's move on to today's guest. Uh, our guest today is Robert Suttle. He is the Assistant Director of the Zero Project, the network for people living with HIV and allies fighting for freedom from stigma and injustice. He oversees the community outreach and education and coordinates Zero's HIV Criminalization Survivors Network. Please help us welcome our friend, Robert Suttle. Welcome, Robert. Hi, good morning, good afternoon, uh, depending on what time zone you're in. Thank you. So good afternoon. to finally talk to you again. Yeah, it is afternoon yeah, here. Been, Where are you? Wow. I'm in New York right now. Okay. So you're in New York. Yeah. Yes. That's nice. So how have you been? I have been, I've been all right, just living life and um having many different experiences but still on the up and up i am feeling really good and just ready to get through this year uh, with whatever it holds before it so um, but i am feeling really good i think i am in such a much better space than i've been in a while uh, last year which everyone can attest for themselves was just a really challenging year and uh, for me personally as well as the things that were going on uh you know publicly in the world so but i'm good i'm happy to be, right. be talking to you guys it's been a long time it has been i saw that you were over in kc for new year's and i was hoping to or around the new year i was hoping to get over there and see you um over there at uh you were with kc care correct yeah yeah, that was a very good e event. Uh, I was invited to come and speak uh, as a keynote speaker for the World AIDS Day uh, Breakfast, which was hosted by our organization there. Um, and forgive me for not remembering the organization. I don't want to get the name wrong. I think it's Calvary Community Network. Um, yeah. Yeah. So those, they um, welcomed me with... Um, and just it was just a really nice experience, and and I was really am glad to be able to have that moment to just share for World AIDS Day um, a message about myself, a message about HIV criminalization, and and how it affects people living with HIV. Um, so hopefully that brought in some new perspective, um, and hopefully raised some uh, awareness for people who otherwise didn't know about it. And so, uh, and then also the same day I went down to Louisiana to Lake Charles. Louisiana is my home state, but Lake Charles is, is not where I'm from. I'm from Shreveport, which is three hours northwest of the state. Um, and I also delivered uh, a keynote address there as well for where I stay. So it was really nice uh, experience. Uh, I went to give, and I felt like I was given so much back um, when they honored me with an award and just recognition for what I'm doing. So it, it really... Um, 
you know, hit home for me, especially being back in Louisiana and uh, at least where my, you know, experience happened. And so um, it was really nice. I, I'll never forget it. I would say that. So, so yeah, I was kind of busy. So after that, I just wanted to rest, um, you know, enjoy the rest of the year, holiday season. And now I'm back and ready to move forward. That, correct me if I'm wrong. You, did you receive the key to the city when you were down in Louisiana? Yeah, the mayor of Lake Charles um, surprised me, actually. I was not expecting that. Um, and obviously, it was kept a secret <laughs> from me. And yeah, I was presented with the uh, the key to the city. Um, but I'm still in, in shocked about that. But yeah, it's really nice. It's really nice. That is awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. So, so Robert, I'm so excited to be talking to you. You know, I've been out for a while, haven't been really involved. So to reconnect with you and have you come on, you know, the last time we spoke to you was three years ago. Uh, me and Aaron uh, wow. sat down and spoke to you, and, and Tammy is actually when it was. I just looked it up before we yeah, came on. Yeah, that's right. Some people who may not, right, it's been forever. So uh, you're one of the people that I, I miss seeing out there on the on the front lines when I go to the conferences and stuff. So I'm excited to get back out there and see you in the circles. Um, for people who aren't familiar with you, can we just back up a little bit and kind of give people a little uh, backstory of where you came from and how you kind of got involved with the Sarah Project? Yeah, and I can do it pretty quickly. I am originally from Louisiana. <laughs> I was someone who was diagnosed with HIV back in 2003. And so um, this year will make, what, 14 years? Yeah, about 14 years. And so, um, let's say five or six years into my diagnosis, I, um, like everybody else, you know, you live your life. You, uh, as a person with HIV, I was never involved in any type of advocacy whatsoever related to HIV. Um, I was working in the court system and so i was just on that track of becoming this professional in the legal world and unfortunately um i was involved in a casual relationship with a guy who pressed charges against me for failing to disclose my status to him um, allegedly so um, as a result of that um, i was convicted of intentional exposure to aids virus which is a felony conviction in the state of louisiana uh, i was sentenced to six months in uh South Louisiana prison, and I had to register as a sex offender for 15 years. And so uh, coming out of prison, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I didn't know how I was going to move forward because um, having a conviction, especially living in the South, is really hard to get um, a job or even have, have stable housing and that sort of thing. But thank God I had family there, and thankfully I was able to secure a job through volunteering because I um, decided to volunteer for an organization and eventually that volunteer opportunity turned into a, um, an employment opportunity. And at the same time, I was also learning more about the HIV criminalization work um, that, had, that had been going on. Uh, and that was kind of the early period of the HIV, criminal, the HIV criminalization uh, movement. Um, so I, I guess you could say I came in right at a good time because they had always been talking about HIV criminalization, but they never really connected with anyone who's actually and personally experienced it. And so um, as a result, I left the job that I had back home and I decided to take a chance and um, get involved with my colleague, Sean Struve, who uh, we together um, developed the Serial Project, which is a network of people living with HIV and allies fighting for freedom against stigma and injustice. 
and and I've been assistant director of Ciro since it um, it beginnings in 2012, and so here we are, five going on five years later, and we're still relevant, still going strong, and so um, I think I did good to uh, accept the uh, proposal to you know start this organization and and to do this work, and it's really been a, a great experience for me to share personally, but also to educate many, many people about the issue who otherwise wouldn't have known about it. No, I think it's incredible work that you guys are doing. Go ahead. Go ahead, Aaron. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to, and this might be putting, this might be a little bit, you know, later in the conversation. You know, we we were just talking about how, you know, we're embarking, we're less than, you know, six days from, uh, uh, you know, the changing, the guard, if you will, um, with the new administration, we now have GOP that is running not only many states, but now definitely the national government. In this new era, what does the work that Ciro and that you're doing, um, what does that look like? You know, it, what are you anticipating that will look like with this new um, this new administration? I'm glad you brought that question up because I, I think many people have that question as to what the HIV criminalization look like going forward into this sort of Trump administration. Honestly, for our work, I don't think anything really changes. If anything, I think it just uh, creates um, a sense of urgency even more uh, that we need to continue to do what we're doing, but maybe step it up, whatever that means, uh, meaning you know just be more aggressive and more assertive. In, in our approach to strategizing and organizing. Um, and I think if anything, the Trump administration would just lead us to organize uh, more effectively, you know, becoming stronger and smarter about our approach, our approaches to um, addressing legislators or other policies, whether it's on the state level or the federal level. Um, I mean, of course it's real early to to see how those things are going to, how it's going to play out. But if anything, we should be organizing more and just uh, developing better and stronger, smarter strategies uh, now that we understand what we're up against um, in regards to, you know, policies, conservative policies that will block our progress or that could be barriers to blocking our progress. Um, or our approach moving forward. So I don't expect it to be any different. It's just that we have to be smarter and, and just work twice as hard and just be smart about it. Awesome. And, I will, and I will just say that, you know, on the, another point of it or perspective is that, you know, I, it could be that, you, may, you know, Trump administration talks about the law and order, and so most states and probably governors and such, they're all about law and order, which I don't think we need more law and order. We, you know, we need to have um, clear and better understanding of how the impact the policies have now, and such as around policing and, and things like that. And so if anything, that kind of stuff could get worse, that maybe more people, you may see a spike in the number of people who are prosecuted these days. Um, but again, we have to see how that how that plays out. But um, we are going to be operating under a system that is that's going to be just even more oppressive. And so that's why I said we have to organize better, be smarter, and more strategic about what we do. Now, Robert, one of the things that um, I, I 
I'm familiar with is some of the stories that, you know, involved HIV criminalization a few years ago, like Nick and Monique and, and yourself, and, and ones that were involved in the HIV is not a crime um, uh, series and things like that. Are there still, um, I guess I want to say, cases that are that are hitting the headlines now? Because I don't see too much of it online, but is it still something that is going on? You know what I mean? Or is it something that kind of has really taken the back burner? Like how... You know what I mean? Like, is this still happening? Because I'm, I'm wondering because people aren't seeing it, and then, you know. So I, I just want to know: is it still something that is going on in the world today? That you know, where people? I'm just trying to see like recent stories. I want to know, like, or of yeah, that's the headlines that maybe yeah, that right. That's a good question because I have not really seen many myself um, across my Facebook uh, timeline or, or any news feed. You know, whether it's still happening. I'm sure it is. Uh, I have to keep in mind that a lot of these cases are not reported, um, and there are some that are reported, but that doesn't mean that they're not happening. And as far as I'm concerned, the laws are still on the books across the country in different states, so that's one indicator that it's not going away. But in terms of reporting, I don't see, I've not seen many, but I I, I don't think this is unusual. Uh, I would I mean, I would like to say it's because of our awareness and advocacy that, you know, perhaps that's not why we're seeing many. Maybe people are thinking twice or or whatever. Um, I want to say that, but that may not, you know, be right <laughs> or factual. But I think it's just that they're just not reported. And um, but again, if they're not reported, then we don't know that they're that where it's happening and that sort of deal. Um, but I think this is not unusual because I've sort of seen how it sort of the rise and the fall in terms of uh, how th- the stories that get out there. And so this just may be one of those down periods right now. Um, but again, any story can um, pop up in any moment. But of course, one story that we're all familiar with is that we've all been watching across the country and maybe even the world is the Michael Johnson uh, case out of Missouri. So um, that seems to be the only case that I am aware of. But um, I think through our serial listserv, I think there may have been a few instances where people have reached out. But we get those, too, where people will reach out and then we'll respond back and, and you know, getting asking for more information as to how we can help them or in what direction we can go with providing uh, support and services. Um, and then we don't hear back from people. So I don't know if maybe some of those are possibly false alarms or, or whatever. But um, but yeah, they're still happening. It's just they're not reported. But at this point, the only case that I know that really stands out is, of course, the Michael Johnson uh, issue. Now, what, 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 tell us about that, because I'm not 100% familiar with that situation. I've seen it on my headlines, but I haven't really um, gotten the details. Are, are you familiar with the details of that, infor- of that case? or? I can't say that I'm familiar with all the details of the case. Uh, I mean, it's a very lengthy case. Uh, I would say I would point people to um, thebody.com. Apparently, they did a, um, information um, on the recent development, and it's pretty much a fact sheet in the case timeline, which is what's developed by the Center for HIV Law and Policy. And it was just published on thebody.com's website as of January 11th, so that was about four days ago. And it, it lists all the recent developments from what happened just recently all the way down to um, giving you background 
uh, about Michael Johnson, about the trial back in May 2015 and that sort of deal. But the latest is that uh, Michael's case was, um, his decision was reversed uh, for his, the decision on his conviction was reversed. Um, and as a result, he's given the options of uh, possibly a new trial um, on the technicality that the prosecution delayed um, disclosing evidence uh, that they had that did not allow the defense the opportunity to prepare, um, what put the uh, defense at a disadvantage because they didn't, they weren't aware of of the evidence that was being uh, withheld by the prosecution. And so, uh, and that's just uh, me sort of summarizing right there. But now the state has so many days to file a motion um, to the uh, Missouri Court of Appeals asking them to either reconsider the case um, or, or have the case tried before the, a full panel of the court. Uh, because the court, there were three judges that decided this decision of overturning the lower court's decision. And then the other option was to either transfer the, the case to the Missouri Supreme Court. And so it's up to the court to decide how they, you know, what decision that they make. Um, I mean, they can deny all three of those options and, and have the case sent back to the trial court. And so that would mean having a retrial and um, and going from there. So. Um, it's still up to the court's decision. I mean, the appeals court can also overturn their own decision and 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 have Michael's conviction reinstated. So there's you know different um, avenues here that can be taken, and um, I think we're all just going to be sitting back and seeing which way does the court decide since um, they overturn the conviction, and and we're waiting to see what decision they make on the on the state's motion to reconsider the the decision. And so what that means is that Michael, um, you know, he has opportunity for a new trial. Um, currently, he's still incarcerated um, at, in the one of the state prisons. And so eventually, if he does go to new trial, I'm sure they're going to send him back to the county in which he was being tried in initially. Um, and so the process would sort of start back over. It would be, I mean, we will hope that... <laughs> I mean, he's been in prison, from my understanding, for at least three years now, which is a long time. And, you know, advocates on the ground are strategizing, trying to figure out ways to support him and, and ways to just bring some awareness to his, you know, to his um, case at this point um, with the hopes that he could be let out, you know, and, and have time served or or whatever. So, I mean, his opportunities are looking really slim at the moment, but, I mean, it's but having the, his conviction overturned, I mean, I felt was a great victory. And I applaud the appeals court for um, acknowledging this technicality that the prosecution did. And, and, but what's unfortunate is that they only looked at the technicality of what the prosecution holding, you know, holding back evidence, but they didn't look at the fact of what got Michael convicted, you know, racism, homophobia, how people feel about HIV, and and how the people the jury of those people who convicted him felt about you know blackness and black people because that's really what should you know be on trial here but um the court only looked at that issue but they did not oh and, and there's another point that the court did not um consider how how unconstitutional their law is they didn't consider that whatsoever so they only made a decision about 
the prosecution's actions, but they did not consider uh, the other point that was raised on the appeal, which was about the unconstitutionality of and the unfairness of, um, of Michael being uh, uh, convicted and sentenced. So um, that's what's unfortunate because the court should have, at least I feel, should have, we would want them to address how, how, um, how uh, oppressive that that sentence is. And Michael got 30, I think like 30 and a half years. That's a long time. One of the um, it's excessive. Yeah, one of one of the things that you, the listeners may not be aware of, is that the the work of Cero is supported uh, in some part by the Elton John AIDS Foundation, um, and that's really allowed you all to um, really put boots on the ground in different key states. Um, uh, Tammy Hot, many uh, people will know Tammy. Um, from HIV is not a crime uh, conference and uh, from social media presence. Um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, in, during the last couple of years, how has Cero kind of expanded to really, um, you know, meet the growing changes in the, uh, I guess, policy um, landscape that, that you're working in? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Sarah, you know, in the beginning, we we had stories. You know, we had real people who've experienced prosecution and and had been convicted. You know, over these HIV specific statutes, and so I think that is what just um, shook things up. You know, it really put this issue in in front of people's faces and it humanized it. You know, they saw that we that we were just pe we were people just like them. You know, it wasn't like we were, um, I guess, thugs or or whatever people may view uh, a criminal to be. You know, and so I think that is the the gift that Cyril presented in this work or this movement. It was that we were able to connect with those people, uh, including myself, to be one of those people that people could touch and hear and listen to. And as a result of that, we've been fortunate with the help of the Positive Women's Network and other advocates uh, across the country to establish the HIV is Not a Crime Conference. We did the first one in 2014 in Grinnell, Iowa, and brought over, uh, I think over 100, you know, over 100 or plus advocates at that time. And so um, from different states to learn strategies, training and education on uh, how to address HIV criminalization and, and then take all that knowledge back to their state and figure out how to strategize based on their political climate in their state. And then we were able to host the conference last year uh, in Huntsville, Alabama, and sort of expanded the conference uh, on just also on HIV, but also to addressing racial and social injustice and and economic injustice and blackness and anti-blackness and that sort of thing. And so we were able to bring in other, uh, more people who are doing work in other areas um, and it's outside of HIV, but just in other criminal justice issues uh, together. And so it, it turned out to be a great event. I think we had over nearly 300 people. Um, so that's huge compared to what we did in 2014. And we're currently in the process of planning or pre-planning for another conference next year um, for 2018. So we're looking forward to um, just uh, 
having more of these conferences and these gatherings because this has really built the momentum uh, uh, as far as uh, more people getting involved. And I think people are excited about it. And I think HIV criminalization now has become one of those top priorities um, for all the different communities, especially within HIV and within the policy world, because we've seen many changes from the HIV criminalization being mentioned in the National HIV AIDS Strategy, uh, as well as Department of Justice and uh, producing these uh, best practices guidelines around HIV criminalization and the many, many, many resolutions that have been passed by all of the medical associations, um, uh, yeah, medical associations uh, condemning HIV criminalization from uh, public health. Um, so it, I mean, the movement has come a long way since just five or six years ago. So, um, so I, I, I anticipate that we will continue to uh, move forward, and and hopefully change will come because we we've, we've seen it happen, you know, in Iowa and Colorado, and um, so it's it's something that will forever be, you know, in a battle with. Um, but you have to have patience and hang in there and. And, and press forward. So, um, so Ciro has, I really feel has been really instrumental in that. And I'm really am proud to be part of something like this. And um, I'm glad we did it. And um, yeah, and I think many people are appreciate what we've done and we're grateful for their support and grateful for their work, you know, and what they're doing in, in their state because it's really us as the people together that is making the difference. And Cyril was just there to sort of facilitate and get it started. But we have been instrumental in helping states develop strategic planning um, plans to uh, how to uh, you know address the laws in their state. We don't um, lead them in terms of saying, you need to do this, you need to do that. It really comes from the people in that state because we as a national organization, we don't understand fully the political climate that exists in these states. So we really depend on the people there on the ground who know about that has, and leave it up to them as to how they should organize. And we're just there to support their efforts and just give guidance. Um, but it's really led by the people there in that state and particularly people living with HIV as well as their allies that exist. So. There's, there's one brochure that you have, uh, Robert, that I've always really appreciated. Um, and the, the one common thing that people reach out to me. Um, I've had a couple of um, viewers or people um, close to me who you know, have found themselves in situations where they themselves are facing prosecution or they're being questioned. Um, and, and you have on your trifold, you have um, you know, what to do if you find yourself in one of those situations. Can you kind of just go over with our listeners, you know, best practices for how, you know, if if our listeners find themselves in a situation where they're being, you know, whatever the situation might be, if, if maybe they came out of a relationship or if they're being questioned by police or someone accuses them, um, what are the best practices um, for handling that situation and not, you know, getting themselves into more trouble before it ever even starts? Yeah, that's a great question because people still, um, I mean, I've gotten many people that have shared you know, that this happened to them or that they know someone who sort of went through that. You know, the best thing, I mean, always the best thing, if you can be upfront about your status, you know, do that. But we all know the reality is that we can't always do that. It's not always safe to do that. 
um, because people can hurt you, uh, especially if they can't handle whatever that information is, you know, uh, around HIV. And to me, I feel like it's only because of people's own personal relationship with HIV um, as to why they either become violent or they choose to have you arrested. Uh, and I think it's because they've not come to terms with their own relationship with HIV and how they see it. But what people can do, you know, we know that they're either one disgruntled ex away from uh, being um, accused of not disclosing um, or you know, having a um, um, slight encounter with law enforcement, you know, is another way that people can find themselves being um, in this situation. But, you know, the thing is that it's understanding your rights you know, as a person living with HIV, understanding when and how to disclose your status, um, which is never easy. Um, and knowing that, you know, you don't always have to disclose your status in, in certain situations, but when it comes to sexual, you know, situations that, um, you know, I think it's important that if you can either have your, have an open discussion about it, um, in ways that there either the third party involved, such as a doctor or a case manager, or or a friend or somebody that can be a witness to the fact that you you know uh, having shared uh, or disclosed your status to to someone, um, you can always get it documented through text messaging and um, or even video recording now these days. Uh, you can do that, but the thing is, when people are in in heated sexual you know moments. I mean, the idea of, of either signing a piece of paper or some type of acknowledgement form, I mean, that stuff doesn't really happen. And it doesn't even happen, you know, it's not like we're sitting here about to engage, you know, intimately and it's like, well, let me record this, you know, but no one thinks about that. But, you know, those are things that you, you can do, um, you know, to sort of uh, document that you have disclosed because it's hard to prove that whether you did or didn't if someone's saying that you didn't that you um i guess purposely exposed them to hiv or intentionally uh, meaning to do it so um of course the opposite side of that is that you know these things can also support the fact that you are in fact hiv positive um if they're in the court of law if they can't seem to find proof that you are hiv positive that those things can also be used against you but um but I think it's best to just pull out all the stops that you can um, to show that you um, have acknowledged your, your HIV diagnosis. Um, but if you're in a situation where, you know, you're being um, sort of been held, held over your head, you know, the best thing you can try to do is either um, talk about it, talk it over with this person, because a lot of times people act in the heat of the moment and it, out of anger, out of spite, or whatever, and sometimes they just need some time to cool down. And because the thing is that many people don't understand the far reach that it has when you accuse someone of not disclosing their status, that it has way more severe consequences than a person would ever think. And, um, and that could be for the rest of their lives. And so I think most people don't want to see people punished severely in that kind of way, but again, they don't understand, you know, how um, how difficult it is when you're facing when a person is being accused, and so that's why we have to be careful about uh, 
when we start, uh, one has to be careful when they go to, to that level of accusing someone. Um, because depending on how people's relationship is with HIV, I mean, it could go so many different ways. And we've had people murdered. We have people who, again, been prosecuted. And then if you're not either of those, somewhere in the middle, you're being harassed. Um, and I just think that has to change. Like, we, we really have to change. And, you know, many people say, well, it's 2017 now. Well, yeah, that, that is true. But folks need to get educated. And the more education, the more you knowledge you have about something, the less fearful you, you can be about it. So um, I totally agree with you, Robert. Knowledge is is knowledge is power. You know. Um, let me ask you this: Is there uh, the biggest question is is where can people go and find information on their specific state, where they live, to find what the laws are in their state? Is there yeah. uh, so, a website or somewhere where they can go find that information? Yes, you can always come to the Cyril Project, CyrilProject.com. We have just updated our website actually, and we're still updating it. Um, as we go along. And so you're, there's a map there um, in the middle of our page and I'm clicking on it now just to make sure that it's all working. And so it lists all the different statutes. I'm sorry. Oh, I thought I was having a question. So that's one source. You can also go to the Center for HIV Law and Policy website. Um, they have a, a comprehensive um, a, a resource there that lists all the states as well as gives you sort of an analysis of different cases and how either the law was applied in certain situations. And so, uh, so between the CERO website as well as the Center for HIV Law and Policies website, um, where they have all, uh, you can find it says um, state laws or something like that on, on their page. Um, and it's real helpful. It's a manual that you also can uh, download as a PDF. And so it's very lengthy, <laughs> very lengthy, but you can, uh, <laughs> you can also, you know, download the PDF and then just print out the, your information on your state. And so, and of course, if you can't find that information, you can feel free to reach out to Ciro at info at com, And we're happy to um, direct you to um, these resources and, and help you get what you need. Okay, Robert, I want to, also, share your information where people can contact you, whether you're on Twitter, Facebook, wherever you would like people to reach out and reach you personally, whether it's for speaking engagements or just to be your friend. <laughs> where can they find you? Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Facebook under Robert Subtle. On um, Twitter, I am I underscore subtle. Uh, yeah, I underscore subtle. Um, and you can, I guess, also follow me on Instagram at Subtle Vision. Um, I don't pretty much use my Instagram for advocacy. It's more of just my personal, 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 but people still follow me on there and that's not a problem <laughs> whatsoever. So I'm always happy to have a conversation about HIV, HIV conversation or, or anything about black gay men or, or just anything political. Like I'm just here for all the social issues. You know, I believe in social justice passionately. So I have a, you know, a lot of interest in a lot of different things as far as policies and issues. Of concern, and so you can follow Ciro on Facebook, the Ciro Project, Ciro Project on Twitter, and we're also on Instagram on, under Ciro. And we also have a page called HIV is Not a Crime, which is what we uh, a Facebook page called HIV is Not a Crime, and you can follow there to get many updates on the conference planning, 
um, and any updates, any updates that are going on that are you know related to HIV criminalization. And so we have many followers on there. And we're also, again, as I said, planning for the new conference uh, for 2018. And so there's a uh, uh, HIV is not a crime training academy introductory webinar that's going to be happening on February 9th. And that's at 3.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Central Time, 1.30 p.m. Mountain Time, and 12.30 Pacific Time. And you can register and be a part of that webinar. And there you can also understand um, all the different working groups that, that, are, uh, that you can join and get involved. Uh, if you're looking for a way to get involved in this issue, this is a great opportunity. And if you get signed in now, then you'll be more aware of uh, certain dates and things that are going to be happening so that you can um, know when that date is. We don't know where the venue is right now. We don't even know the specific date of the conference, but we do, what well, we are starting the pre-planning because to get those things, the dates and the places where it's going to happen, it's part of the pre-planning, it's part of the working group planning. And so uh, if you get in now, this is a great opportunity. I mean, this is the time to um, that to join and to, so that you'll be in the know. So we were in the South last year, so who knows? We were in um, Iowa 2014, so I'm not sure what region of the country we'll be in this year, but we'll see. Cool, cool. Well, Robert, thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing you know, your story and, your, and an update with us about the Sarah Project and what's going on. I look forward to seeing you and, and hearing more things about you online, and, and I'm so glad that you joined us today. I just, I'm excited that we got to sit down and talk with you. Yeah, and thank thank you all so much for using this platform to educate people about you know a series of, of different things, and that's what's important. I think in the times that we're going to be living in the next four years, that we all have to be diligent. We all have to be mindful of what's going on because you don't know um, what's coming around the corner, and so we we definitely have to pay attention. And I appreciate you guys for using your platform to to bring awareness. To, to HIV, HIV criminalization, a lot of host of other things that, you know, that affect us as, as a people. So, thank you. Thanks, Robert. Have yourself a great day. All right. Well, let's move on to our uh, positive message from Rise Up to HIV. And actually, we you know what? Let's just say our goodbyes now because then we'll end off um, after that. So, I want to thank Robert and the Sarah Project for hanging out with us this week. It's kind of a very uh, important information that needs to be shared. So I, I'm glad that Robert's involved and that, you know, he was part of it. And Aaron, I'm glad that you were with me this week. I was glad to be with you too. Buy all your groceries, <laughs> stay indoors on Friday. If you're Catholic, pray the rosary, whatever you do. <laughs> Hopefully we That's make right. It right. And next week, um, we have the pleasure of speaking with um, our friend here at POSIM Radio. His name is uh, Joey, so I'm excited to be speaking with him. Uh, he will be joining us on uh, the 22nd, Joseph Gray. Uh, he is going to talk about what it is like to go from addict to activist. So join us next week, 2 p.m., same time, same place. Hey, everyone. It's your favorite positive Marine here with my take on HIV. I was diagnosed with HIV in May of 2012, and in the beginning stages of my diagnosis, I was afraid. I was afraid that I would lose my career. I was afraid of how others would treat me, 
and I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to live a healthy life. I think that most people have this fear when they are first diagnosed, but through education, I was able to break through my fear and realize that I could live a perfectly normal life just like anybody else. Through my advocacy and my outreach, I have been able to meet many wonderful people who became a great support group for me. With them at my side, I have been able to broaden my network of support to many others who are going through the same thing. I want everybody in our community of HIV-positive individuals to know that it is going to be okay. We will survive, and through education and outreach, we will be able to make a better life for us all. Hi, I was diagnosed in March of 1990, three months shy of my 21st birthday. When I went to see the doctor, he told me that my viral load was up in the millions and that my CD4 count was less than 200. Basically, gave me five years to live. Um, at this time, I basically gave up all my dreams, my hopes, and the wanting to live. But fortunately, here I am, 26 years later, I'm very healthy. So my message to you guys is to never give up, never give hope, and to keep up the fight. Yo fui diagnosticado en marzo de 1990, tres meses antes de mi 21 cumpleaños. Um, en este momento el doctor me dijo que yo tenía el barrel load en los millones y el CD4 menos de 200. Me dio cinco años de vida. En este momento yo me di por vencido y no quise hacer más por mi vida, pero aquí estoy 26 años después y mi mensaje es que nunca pierdan el deseo de vivir, ¿ok? Sigan la pelea. Thank you for joining us for Paz IM. You can listen to us each and every Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as we bring you your weekly dose of hope. Join in the conversation on social media, Paz I Am Radio and at Aaron Laxton. And while you're on there, check out I'm Still Josh as he brings the HIV scoop of the week. Also, if you've not checked out the positive message campaign from Rise Up to HIV, be sure to do so. For all of you who contribute and make this show possible, thank you so very much. If you think you have a story that needs to be covered or you would like to come on air and talk to Robert and myself, please let us know. We want to bring content that you need and that you want. Be sure to download this episode on iTunes and past episodes. We'd love to hear your feedback. From all of us over here at Paz IM Radio, from Robert Brining and myself, have a safe and healthy week. And until we speak again, stay positive. <laughs>